Chapter One, Part Three of Commentary on the Gospel of John, Book Six by Cyril of Alexandria, translated by Reverend Philip Edward Pusey and Reverend Thomas Randall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Eleven, he answered, "A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me." go to siloam and wash so i went away and washed and i received sight he appears still to be ignorant that the saviour is by nature god for otherwise he would not have spoken of him so unworthily he probably thought of him and esteemed him as a holy man forming this opinion perhaps from the somewhat indistinct rumour concerning him that went about all jerusalem and was repeated everywhere in the common talk moreover we may observe that those afflicted of body and struggling with abject poverty never feel overmuch zeal in occupying themselves about making acquaintance their unmitigated poverty exhausting as it were their mental faculties therefore he speaks of him merely as a man and describes the manner of the healing he must surely have been compelled by the magnitude of the miracle to attribute a glory beyond the nature of man to the wonder-worker but from giving credit to the belief that holy men were enabled by god to work miracles he was probably drawn to look upon jesus as one of them twelve and they said unto him where is he he saith i know not not from devout feelings do they inquire for jesus nor are they moved to inquire where and with whom he was uttering discourses so that they might go and seek some profit from his doings but being blinded in the eyes of their understanding even much worse than he had formerly been in those of his body they are inflamed with most unjust anger and rage like untamable beasts thinking that our saviour had broken a commandment of the law that one namely which forbids any work whatever to be done on the sabbath and they raved immoderately because he had dared actually to touch clay rubbing the dirt round with his finger and in addition to this had also directed the man to wash it off on the sabbath wherefore in anger and desperation they spit out the words where is he without making any excuse for speaking so rudely for in their pettiness they bestow abuse upon him who rightly deserved the highest honour though they must have admired him if they had been sincere and had known how to honour god's power with befitting praises but thrusting aside in their extravagant maliciousness that which i think they ought in fairness to have thought and done they devote themselves to untimely zeal and falsely supposing that they were performing a duty in supporting the law which had somehow been wronged they inquire for jesus as one who had worked on the sabbath and thus wronged the excellent commandment by healing the man certainly they may have supposed that god was so to speak cruel and not compassionate on the sabbath and was very angry when he saw a man healed who was made in his own image and likeness and on whose account the sabbath was instituted for the son of man is lord of the sabbath according to the saying of the saviour thirteen fourteen they bring to the pharisees him that aforetime was blind now it was the sabbath on the day when jesus made the clay and opened his eyes 
they bring the man to the rulers not that they might learn what had been done to him and admire it for it was not likely that men travailing with extreme envy against our saviour christ could ever be pleased by any such thing but that they might publicly convict jesus as they thought of a transgression of the law and accuse him of being a wrongdoer in having made clay on the sabbath for rejecting the idea of the miracle because of its incredibility they lay hold of the deed as a transgression and for a proof of what had been done they exhibit the man upon whom he had dared to perform the miracle at the same time they think to succeed in gaining a reputation for piety according to jewish customs and proceed to strain the legal commandment to the utmost for in deuteronomy he who by nature is very god enjoining the minds of the pious not to be drawn aside to another nor to think that there were any gods besides him but bidding them to serve him only in truth and to hate bitterly those who should dare to counsel them differently thus speaks if thy brother by thy father or mother or thy son or thy daughter or thy wife in thy bosom or friend who is equal to thine own soul entreat thee secretly saying let us go and serve other gods thou shalt not consent to him neither shalt thou hearken to him and thine eye shall not spare him and thou shalt feel no regret for him neither shalt thou at all protect him thou shalt surely report concerning him and so the jews looking only at the errors of others and foolishly treating everything by the regulation laid down concerning one thing brought before the magistrates those who were detected in any action contrary to the law thinking that thereby they were honouring the lawgiver for this reason i think they inquired for jesus saying where is he but being unable to find him anywhere they take as it were in the second place him upon whom the wonder had been wrought that he might seal with his own voice the testimony to the breach of the law which had been committed by the actions of the one who healed him on the sabbath when the blessed evangelist is making it manifest to us that they were immoderately vexed at the making of clay on the sabbath he fitly hints at the absurdity of the thing by adding now it was the sabbath on the day when jesus made the clay fifteen again therefore the pharisees also asked him how didst thou receive thy sight they busied themselves about the manner of the healing stirring up as it were the fire of malice which was in them to a greater heat and asked unnecessary questions not failing as it seems to me to recognize the miracle for is it not altogether absurd to suppose that they who had come bringing to them the man who aforetime was blind had not expressed at all the reason for which they had brought him but as if they were not sufficient to accuse christ the magistrates compel him to confess with his own mouth what had been done believing that by this means the malicious accusation would have greater force for observe that they do not ask simply and barely if he had been healed but they seek rather to hear how he received his sight this was what they were particularly anxious to hear he made clay and anointed mine eyes 
for it was in this that they foolishly conceived all the transgression of the law to lie and imagining that laws from above were violated they thought that they were righteously vexed and that punishment ought to be inflicted on him who vexed them and he said unto them he put clay upon mine eyes and i washed and do see they receive eagerly as if it were a sort of food for their envy his confession of the marvel and gladly seize upon the excuse for their rage against jesus for the man who had been blind relates everything on this occasion very simply and speaks very abruptly in brief expressions praising as it were his physician for he is somewhat astounded at the nature of the deed probably he may have thought in his mind that jesus had miraculously enabled him to see by anointing him with clay an unusual medicament and it seems to me that it was very significantly and with sharp meaning that he said he made clay and anointed mine eyes for it was as though one might suppose him to say i know that i am speaking to a malicious audience but nevertheless i will not on that account conceal the truth i will requite my benefactor with my thanks i will be above unseasonable silence i will honour by my confession the physician who did not trouble me by an elaborate process of healing or perform the operation by the knife and surgery or effect what was necessary by compound mixtures of drugs or adopt any ordinary method but rather exhibited his power by strange devices he made clay and anointed mine eyes and i washed and do see it is perhaps worthy of notice that the man very rightly added as the climax to his description of these events the words and do see for it is almost as though he had said i will prove to you that the power of the healer was not exerted in vain i will not deny the favour i received for i now possess what i formerly longed for i he says who was blind from birth and afflicted from the womb having been anointed with clay am healed and do see that is i do not merely show you my eye opened concealing the darkness in its depth but i really see i am henceforth able to look upon the things which formerly i could only hear about lo the bright light of the sun is shining around me lo the beauty of strange sights surrounds my eye a short time ago i scarcely knew what jerusalem was like now i see glittering in her the temple of god and i behold in its midst the truly venerable altar and if i stood outside the gate i could look around on the country of judea and should recognize one thing as a hill and another as a tree and when the time changes to evening my eye will no longer fail to notice the beauty of the wondrous objects on high the brilliant company of the stars and the golden light of the moon thereupon i shall be amazed at the skill of him who made them from the beauty of the creatures i as well as others shall acknowledge the great creator so that however little breath of imagination or elegance of argument he uttered 
his language is pregnant with all this power when he adds and do see after saying he made clay and anointed mine eyes for the preacher's style of argument which we employ does not exclude all that is graceful in imagination or reject it as useless he therefore who had received mercy from christ when questioned before the priest speaks as we have said declaring in a truly innocent manner and to the best of his ability the power of the one who had healed him sixteen some therefore of the pharisees said this man is not from god because he keepeth not the sabbath in their folly they say he is not from god who has the power to work the works of god and although they see the son crowned with an equal measure of glory with the almighty father they are not ashamed unreasonably to cast upon him the blame of impiety and disregarding the report of the miracle they attack the wonder-worker with their peculiar envy and carelessly accuse as an evil-doer him who knew no sin they foolishly believe the whole law to have been broken by his daring to move one finger on the sabbath although they would themselves loose their ox from the stall and lead it away to water moreover if a sheep fell into a pit as it is written with much eagerness would they lift it out so they strain out the gnat according to the saviour's word for this was their ordinary custom with much folly and very desperately they do not give credit to christ for the marvellous deed nor from the work of healing do they henceforth acknowledge him to be what he is but they cavil pettily about the sabbath and as if in their opinion all virtue was observed by merely remaining unemployed on the sabbath they totally deny his relationship to god saying that he was not from god although they ought rather to have understood that the one before them had authority over his own laws and that it was pleasing and acceptable to god to do good even on the sabbath and not to leave without hope one who needed mercy for whenever will any of you refuse to praise the doer of good deeds or what set time can exercise a tyranny against virtue yet while they admired the ancient hero joshua who captured jericho on the sabbath and commanded their forefathers to do such things as are customary for conquerors and himself by no means observed the proper sabbath rest they persistently attack christ and as their personal ill-feeling prompted them not only strive to take away from him the glory due to god but also to rob him of the honour due to holy men and being stirred up by their mere malice to speak very inconsiderately they pour forth a charge of impiety against him who justifies the world and for that very purpose came from the father to us but others said how can a man that is a sinner do such signs and there was a division among them even these still think too meanly speaking and reckoning as of a mere man only being convinced by the marvellous deed they give the palm to christ rather than to the law 
and putting the proof afforded by the divine sign in opposition to the sabbath rest on this occasion they appear in a better light as just judges yet was it not acting greatly in opposition to the precepts laid down respecting the sabbath to withdraw altogether the charge of transgression and to acquit him of sin who had not hesitated when he thought fit to do something even on the sabbath but coming to this conclusion by reasoning which seems unanswerable and has much common sense in it they argue thus for it is manifest and acknowledged beyond question that to those who neglect the divine law and set at naught precepts ratified from on high god would never give the power to achieve anything wonderful to christ however in the opinion of the jews he gave such power although he slighted the law respecting the sabbath certainly the doing something on the sabbath does not necessarily involve sin but neither can any one doubt that the doing of good works is far better than remaining unemployed on that day at all events as the saviour himself somewhere else says it is permitted to the levites to minister on the sabbath and they exercise their functions on that day without blame or rather their remaining unemployed would be blamable for would any one find fault if they were detected sacrificing oxen on the sabbath or even attending to other kinds of offerings he would on the other hand more probably accuse them if they were not doing their duty and fulfilling the regulations of divine service when therefore things dedicated according to the law for the good of certain persons are brought to the divine altar even on the sabbath without prohibition is it not more fitting still that a kind action should be performed unto a man for whose sake the marvellous deed might be acceptable even on the sabbath by just reasoning therefore some of the jews are inclined to an excellent judgment and putting off by an effort from the eyes of their understanding the mist of ignorance that characterizes their nation they admire the glory of the saviour although as yet not very ardently for they speak of him less worthily than they ought and they separate themselves from those who were actually condemning him for the one part unholily allowed themselves to be swayed by envy more than by just reasoning and treat as a transgression that which in its nature could not in any wise be blamed whereas the others rightly considering the nature of the action condemn such a foolish accusation it is of course possible that it was with reference to some other matter that they chose to say how can a man that is a sinner do such signs perhaps to put it briefly they are eager to defend the general practice of holy men for say they if we allow that it is quite possible for habitual transgressors to make themselves glorious by extraordinary actions and to be seen working marvellous deeds what is there any longer to hinder those fond of making accusations from bringing charges against most of the prophets or indeed by and by attacking the blessed moses himself and lightly esteeming one so venerable even though he was borne witness to by the most mighty actions of all 
these men therefore may be contending for the reputation of the fathers as at stake in christ treating the circumstances respecting him as a sort of pretext for showing their love towards them seventeen they say therefore unto the blind man again what sayest thou of him in that he opened thine eyes they imagine those who are disposed to judge fairly to be wandering in their wits and they seem to me to have forgotten altogether him who says judge righteous judgment and having been taken captive as it were in the bonds of envy they cannot endure to listen at all to any word that honours christ turning away from any one wishing to speak of his miracles as from some one most hostile to themselves and mistrusting their own powers of explanation they haughtily address their words to the man that had been healed again they ask what had been many times told them having already proclaimed their belief that he who had performed an action contrary to the sabbath was both worthless and wicked they think that in this way the blind man will join them in condemning him and take his cue from their words that he will suppress all outward signs of gratitude out of fear and trembling before their anger and readily charge jesus with contempt of the law because of its being the sabbath evil therefore was the design of the pharisees and it cannot be doubted that it was foolish also for how could the voice of one thankless man weaken the force of the miracle and would not christ's divine glory appear if it so happened that the blind man overcome by fear should deny the kindness he had received in order to avoid suffering anything from those wont to inflict pain but envy is powerful to persuade those who are bursting with it to eagerly do anything in their passion even though it involves conduct very fairly open to ridicule the mind which is free from such thoughts however is not entangled by foolish arguments but ever preserving its natural excellence untarnished is borne directly towards a right conclusion and does not go beyond the limits of truth mean therefore and insolent are the pharisees thinking that those who choose to think and speak rightly are wandering in their wits and endeavouring to compel the man to speak evil words concerning him who had miraculously bestowed on him an unhoped-for blessing but he was disposed to express gratitude and had been brought nigh to a clear knowledge by means of the miracle and he said he is a prophet they receive a sharp arrow into their hearts who do not admit fair and just reasoning and are eager to seek that only which gratifies their malice for as it is written the crafty man shall not meet with prey for their zealous design is upset contrary to their expectation and they are greatly disappointed of their hope when to their surprise they receive the reply he is a prophet for the man who had been healed judging very rightly agrees with the opinion of the other party for they not unwisely considering the nature of the action maintain that a man who was a sinner could not perform such a deed and he upon whom the marvel has been wrought 
all but pursuing the same track of argument declares jesus to be a prophet not yet having accurately learned who he is in truth but adopting a notion current among the jews for it was customary with them to call wonder-workers prophets deeming that their holiness was thereby borne witness to by god accordingly just as they wisely determined not to dishonour the majesty of the divine sign out of reverence for the sabbath but argue from it that he who wrought it was altogether guiltless of sin so also i suppose this man thrusting aside the petty cavil respecting the sabbath with worthier thoughts gives glory to him who had freely given him sight and having allotted him a place amongst holy men calls him a prophet he seems to me moreover not to have thought too highly of the regulations of the law for otherwise he would not have admired jesus so much or raised his physician to the rank of a prophet in spite of his apparent transgression of the sabbatical law having certainly derived benefit from the marvellous deed and having arrived at a better state of mind than that of the jews he is therefore obliged to admit a superiority to legal observances in the wonder-worker who in doing good works deemed an infringement of the law altogether blameless End of chapter one part three